Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PayActive podcast. Please remember that I am not a certified financial advisor, and this podcast is made for education and entertainment purposes only. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pay Active Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg. And today we have a really cool episode with one of my favorite guests we've had yet lined up. It is my very good friend, Athena Lent. She comes from the website, podcast, blog. She's done all sorts of great things. We'll let her explain it. She does a better job than me, but she is really a, a great and knowledgeable person from the site Money Smart Latina. So we'll dive in with her in just a moment. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here sitting down with my very good friend, Athena. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So could you tell us a little bit more about your background? I know you've been involved in the personal finance content community for a long time, uh, longer than some of us would like to think. We're we're aging. It's weird to think about getting older. Yes. But uh, we've been doing this a while. I know you've been around the personal finance block, so to speak. So could you share a little bit about your background and expertise and how you got involved with creating content about money online? Well, I first started one of my online ventures when I was a broke college student. I had just graduated with one of my college degrees and we were entering the Great Recession. So that sucked. That really affected me and my finances. I graduated with a criminal justice degree and a lot of government offices like police departments, city officials, that's all stuff you would go into with a criminal justice degree but they were all on hiring freezes. And so I had to just kind of make my career in the nonprofit sector work. So that's how I started like dabbling into personal finance, but I got serious in 2014. I was teaching at a Title I school and we were doing um, Junior Achievement, which is a very common nonprofit organization across the country that goes into classrooms and teaches, you know, like, students that are like elementary, junior, high school age uh, about personal finance. And so we were doing the curriculum and my students asked me like what one of these questions is false. And they asked me a question about tax on food. And I literally, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking in my head and I'm like, okay, well, if it's regular food, it's not taxed. If it's pre-made, um, then it is taxed. And I was trying to think of a way to explain that to my eighth graders and they're like, oh, you don't pay taxes with food stamps. This one's false. And I was like, wait, like not everybody buys food with food stamps. And my students were like, well, then how do you eat? Like they literally all got food stamps. Um, they were all Latino. It's a Title I school in a not destitute part of Phoenix, but it's it's a low income area. It was just really eye opening because they all thought everyone got food stamps. And I was like, I, I don't get food stamps. And they're like, well, how do you eat? And, and I was like, I, I buy my food with a debit card. And they're like, you don't buy food with debit cards. You buy EBT cards. And like, it was really just eye opening to me. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so it was really eye opening to me that a lot of my students didn't know, like how currency worked and 
um, different opportunities that were presented to them because their social capital, you know, everyone they knew maybe didn't have those same opportunities. And now they did, but they didn't know how to take advantage of them. And so that's really how I started working with the Latino community. Wow, that's, a, that's an incredible insight. I've actually also uh, done junior achievement. I wasn't a teacher, but I was a volunteer. So I did get into some classrooms and at some big companies I've worked for back in my career. Uh, there was this deal where if employees could work with certain schools in low-income areas, it was a win-win for everybody. So they'd send us uh, for a work day or two to go into classrooms. And I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was such a great thing to teach kids about money and seeing how they light up and get excited to learn new things about you know, anything is exciting. I mean, normally it's like dinosaurs and rocket ships, but if it's uh, Benjamins in your wallet, that's pretty cool too. And hopefully we can we can help them earn some Benjamins along the way. It's, uh, it's a tough world out there. And yeah, coming from the, the perspective of not even knowing that you can buy groceries with something other than food stamps, obviously, you know, that's the perspective. That's what they've seen in their communities growing up. So being able to give them that wider education, wider uh, vantage point might help them get set up for success. So, you know, kudos to you for getting uh, getting involved with with those young ones. It's a great program, Junior Achievement. I love working with kids. Um, I just recently jumped into freelancing full time earlier this year, but I really liked working with high schoolers and middle schoolers and just teaching them about personal finance and different opportunities such as education that were open to them. I taught them how to write a check, even though they're pretty obsolete. I taught them how to balance a checking account, like all that kind of stuff. And so I thought it was really cool for them to know about those opportunities. So then when they actually can open a checking account, they understand how it works and they don't get turned into over to like check systems or something. Many schools, I think it's still most, don't have any kind of personal finance education. A few are starting to, some state curriculums are adding it. But unless you were lucky to have a teacher like Athena or a junior achievement volunteer, you probably wouldn't learn anything about money in school other than you know that it exists. <laughs> and it's something that you want mm-hmm. more of. Yeah, it's the it's there. It's green. Sometimes it goes into like a building. I don't really know much other than that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's it's a it can definitely be eye opening. To pivot a little bit, you definitely had an inside view of Latino, Latina, Latinx communities who were coming from financial disadvantages or financial challenges. Now, from your perspective, being someone who is more educated about you know, finances and what people should and shouldn't be doing and how the economy works. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the Latino community financially? One of the biggest challenges that is facing the Latino community is that they are not prime um, candidates for financial like products. So a lot of them, not a lot of them, but you know, a part of our population, um, they get their visa and they come over here and they're working or they just have like an employee like identification number. They can't open a traditional checking account. You need a social security number to access a traditional checking account. And a lot of people don't. So they could be here, like they can be here legally and working and paying taxes, but they still can't open a checking account or get a loan or anything like that because they can't provide a social. So I think that is definitely one of the issues that's facing the Latino community. Like I said, a lot of people don't, not a lot of people, but you know, some people don't understand how checking account works. I am a second generation Latina. My grandma came from Spain and we didn't understand, I didn't understand how money worked because they kept their money in a, like a cookie jar under the bed. 
And so a lot of Latino families hold on to cash because they don't trust traditional like banking systems. And so we, we keep our money there. And it didn't help that my parents always wrote bad checks. So I didn't myself didn't understand how a checking account worked. Um, and I was turned over to check systems when I was 19. And so it was it was really hard for a while. Um, so I think that is definitely one of the issues that is facing the Latino community. Um, like I said, a lot of us aren't prime targets for different financial tools. And a lot of us don't know what's out there. We don't know what a good interest rate is on a loan, or we don't know that there is alternatives to different things like pay active is an alternative option to a bank account. So a lot of people don't know about those types of tools. And I also think another thing that is facing the Latino community, and I think this is facing the low income people in general, and it's not fair at all, is that financial advisors look over them. And so traditional financial advisors, you come in, they want to see that you have a substantial amount of assets to your name, and they're hoping to open a brokerage account with you or some other type of investing tool because they're getting commission from the company that they work for. And so the lower amount of money you walk in there with, the less likely they are to take you seriously or even think that, you know, you're a good candidate for them and they're going to look over you. And I think that's really unfair because a lot of Latinos are starting to build that generational wealth. They're starting to, you know, accumulate those assets, but because they don't have a significant amount yet, they're overlooked and they're not given the same opportunities as other people would be. Yeah, that seems like kind of a, a cycle that's tough to break when you can't access the regular traditional banking system and you're living in cash. Mm-hmm. It, that helps. It makes it harder to build up assets. Uh, just mm-hmm. there, there's a, a handful of systemic reasons why that could be more difficult. Then if you don't have the education already coming from, again, we talked about you're not getting it at school. If you get taught anything about money by your family, you're lucky. But about half the time, you're probably getting bad lessons. <laughs> your parents are probably meeting well, but they don't always know uh, what they're talking about either. Um, then when mm-hmm. you try to go to the financial professionals, unless you have you know, a six-figure investment account, a lot of them don't want to talk to you. So it's a really tough cycle to break out of. And I'm actually glad you brought up that last point because, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, anyone who uses PayActive can get access to free financial counseling and free financial advising sessions. You just have to open up the app, tap a button, and it costs zero dollars. And right before we hit record, I was saying to Athena, it doesn't matter if you have $10 or $10 million, it always helps to have a professional with a fresh set of eyes look at your financial situation. So whether you're you know, spending too much or not saving enough, and maybe you're not, maybe you're doing everything just right. And, and when you're a low-income worker, sometimes it's just tough to get by. You can't cut anymore. But by having someone help, you know that you are confidently making the right decisions for your money going forward. And even if you have short-term challenges, you can set those long-term goals to you know help your family, whether it's sending your kids to college, or setting up your own retirement funds and accounts for, for your golden years. And there's a lot of long-term things that, that are hard to achieve and even harder when you don't know that you need to be achieving them. And uh, yeah, so that's it's a great way to access that information. So yeah, I'm thrilled you brought that up. Outside of those challenges, I know there's 
there's a lot of good things happening as well. You know, we're, we're, there are people getting into the banking system and the financial system. Uh, what do you see as really good opportunities in the Latino community right now? And where do you see successes? Where are the, the highlights and the good points where people are doing well? I think one of the successes is seeing a lot of Latino women start to move up the career ladder. So I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Latinas statistically get paid the lowest um, out of everybody. So statistically, you know, a woman makes 84 cents to a white guy's dollar. If you are a different race than a white woman, it significantly goes lower. And so the last time I checked, Latinas are paid 54 cents to every dollar that a white male makes. So statistically. And so not only are we getting paid less in general as women, but Latinas are getting paid less overall. And so it's really hard for us to like build wealth. But I see a lot more Latinas that are interested in personal finance. I see a lot of financial creators that are hitting the Latino market. I see people that are doing financial education, um, dual like dual speakers. So they're giving it in English and they're doing it in Spanish. And I think like that's amazing. Like we need more people who are educated and can speak Spanish and can give good examples to you know our community. And I think that is really one highlight that I like to see. And you know we're both involved with this personal finance conference and. A lot of the speakers this year are Latinas, and I was just like, yeah, get it, girl. But, I mean, it was really cool, and it was really eye-opening to see that, you know, people are taking us seriously and that we're starting to get more opportunities, like, career-wise. And I think that, overall, is just, like, a huge financial win. Different tools like PayActive and other tools that are trying to go into lower, you know, low-income communities and do personal finance, like, information, education, that is also like a huge thing um, because sometimes, like I said, we don't know how to use, like people in general don't know how to use a checking account. They get turned over into check systems or telecheck and they can't open a traditional account. So an alternative to a checking account, I think that is like a huge thing. And I think FinTech has like really helped make personal finance accessible to more people. That's kind of FinTech and everything, but I think that's where we're going. And so the more tools that we get to our population in different channels, I think the better off we'll be. But I think those are some of the wins and some of the successes that we're having. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Like when I think about, as you're talking about families who live in cash and don't have access to traditional banks, they can't shop at places like Amazon or use services like Uber or Lyft. And while that might not seem like a big deal, like, oh, you're not you know, shopping at some big online store. Sometimes there are much better deals. And if you mm-hmm. don't have access, you could be locked out of that. You know, maybe if you're living on cash, you have to take a traditional taxi rather than a much lower cost rideshare. Yeah, there's a lot of extra things you can get stuck with if you are living in cash, aside from the, you know, the risks of if you lose it or it's stolen or there's a fire or who knows what. So cash can be tough to live on for sure. Yeah. And like a lot of people who can't have access to a checking account, what they end up doing is getting like a prepaid visa. And so like that's, you know, like you think, okay, well, you do have an option. It's a prepaid visa. Like they'll go get it at Walgreens or something. But a lot of those prepaid visas actually have a lot of fees associated. So not only is it like, say I put $100 down, not only do they need like a $10 like fee, but it's like every time I use it, they'll dock me a dollar. 
And so, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, a dollar here, a dollar there, that's not that big of a deal, but that adds up over time. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it could be a huge challenge. You're thinking through uh, the huge costs of those services. They're not regulated as tightly as banks. So sometimes I've heard horror stories of people's money getting locked up. And if you are paid with a check and you're going to a check cashing business to cash your check, maybe you're paying 10 to 20% of your paycheck right there to get your money. And then you're paying again to load it back onto one of these prepaid cards. Before you've bought anything with it, you might have already given 30 to 40% of your money away in fees. So it's very yeah. important to think about yeah, those financial products and services you choose to use. And that's part of why I'm so proud of working with PayActive because there are not big fees. You can use it with, with virtually no fees if you use it as intended. I don't think there are any fees uh, you could possibly be charged for the uh, the bank-type features. So, so it's a great tool. Yeah. And I think that's amazing, too, because another thing that I just, like, came to mind is, you know, um, Latinos are very family-oriented. Like, our family is, like, we're all about our family. And that's why we have a lot of uh, multi-generational living. And so we were doing it before it was cool, before the pandemic hit. <laughs> but uh, we had we have a lot of multi-generational housing and, like, we have family that's still in other countries. We feel like sometimes it's our duty to support for them, like give them financial support. And so if you are running off cash, you're having to use like Western Union and Western Union is going to jack up the fees. And not everybody like has access to like even in Mexico, not everybody has access to a Western Union. So um, if you don't have a traditional like banking service, that's kind of hard too. There's a laundry list of services that you just can't use easily if you don't have a, a bank account or something very similar to a bank account. So it's definitely, it's so important for people to get into the financial system. So, you know, things like check cashing, you could go pay someone 20% of your paycheck, or if you have an account like with PayActive, you snap a picture with your phone using an app and it costs $0 and you have access instantly and you didn't have to go ride the bus or drive over there and wait in a long line and show your ID and deal with the rude person behind the counter and all the hassles of it. Right. You can just sit it. Make sure you get there yeah. by 6 p.m. And, you know, when you get off at 5 or 5.30. Yeah, there's just so many challenges. And if you have a financial account with an app on your phone, you can just snap a picture of that check and it's in the account. It's it's done. So you know, there's all these benefits, uh, time saving, money saving. It goes on and on. Anyway, well, we're, uh, we're running towards the end of our time. But before we go, we always like to chat about, you know, I know we have listeners who are uh, business executives, the HR executives and CEOs who help make decisions around benefits and what resources they offer to their employees and their valued workers. Because obviously, as we all know, if you've ever been in a management position of any kind, you can't succeed without your team. So it's important to take good care of them. So if you were speaking to a room full of HR managers and CEOs who had a large Latino workforce, what advice would you give them to help their workers thrive? I would really make sure that they understand FMLA and how it works. Um, a lot of Latinos, especially, like I said, we're very family oriented and a lot of Latinos will drop out of the workforce to take care of, you know, a sick child or a sick parent 
or, you know, they just have health issues in general. And every time you drop out of the workforce, you lose money, you lose your earning potential because then you have to start all over again at a new job. And so FMLA will allow you to actually take time off without you losing your job and having to start over so you can take care of your family. And I think that is really important for people to like, in general, to know about. But I also think it's really important for HR to make sure they let their Latinos or Latinas or Latinx, make sure they let them know that this is a service, this is a benefit, this is a legal right that's offered to you. Um, and take advantage of it so you don't have to restart your career over and over again. Yeah, that's a good one to point out. You know, in the United States, we have very few worker protections from the national government compared to a lot of other countries. But that FMLA, mm -hmm. the Family Medical Leave Act, is an important law that every worker should know about. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that one up. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise. It's always fun chatting with you, and it was a pleasure to have you here on the show. If anyone wants to hear your voice or read your words or see all of the other great things you do online, where should they head to learn more? So I actually have a weekly personal finance column for Slate Magazine. It's called Paydirt. So you can go to slate.com slash paydirt and you can find my column. It's published every week. And then I also have the website Money Smart Latina, where I give general personal finance advice that a lot of people, like anybody can benefit from. And then I actually am writing budgeting for dummies for the Wiley series for dummies. And my book will be um, at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your favorite retailer on May 2nd, 2023. Wow. That's, uh, I'm going to put that one on my pre-order list right now. It sounds like a good yes. read. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening with us till the end. Thank you so much, Athena, for hanging out with us. And as we always like to say at the end of our shows, go on out there and live the life you've earned. Thank you so much for being with us today. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.